Soon after World War II, Winston Churchill was visiting the White House when he is said to have had an uncanny experience. Having a long bath with a scotch and cigar, he reportedly walked into the adjoining bedroom only to be met by the ghost of none other than Abraham Lincoln. Unflappable, even while completely naked, Churchill apparently announced, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have met me at a disadvantage. The spirit smiled and vanished. He supposed contact with the supernatural puts Churchill in illustrious company. Arthur Conan Doyle spoke to ghosts through mediums, while Alan Turin believed in telepathy. Three men who were all known for their razor-sharp thinking, yet couldn't stop, believing them, couldn't stop themselves from believing in the impossible. And you may well join them. According to recent surveys, as many as three quarters of the population of the world believe in some sort of ghostly activity or paranormal. Hi, this is Mark here with episode 11 of the Clockwork Junkie podcast on supernatural and paranormal. I suppose if ghosts are good enough for Winston Churchill, Alan Turin and um, Arthur Conan Doyle, surely they're good enough for me and you. Um, it's hard to prove whether ghosts exist, it's hard to prove whether par- the paranormal is real. I know there's psychics, there's mediums. There's people who can communicate with the dead. There's people who've seen ghosts. Uh, there's people who maybe their granny or granddad or uncle or auntie has seen a ghost, had an experience uh, on more than one occasion. Um, I too have had a supernatural experience myself. Um, <clears throat> but I suppose, is it real? Is it all in the mind? Science would say it's all in the mind. It'd say there's no evidence. Um, it would say it's the mind playing tricks, whether it be a misconception we have or whether it was a hoax somewhere else um i know now we have ghost hunters that came very very popular in the last maybe 15 20 years uh you see them all on tv going around with gadgets etc and they look to find ghosts and they look to find uh any paranormal activities and uh i suppose it's hard to know whether it's true or whether it's not true so what i want to do is on this i want to do a double podcast or two episodes if you like this is the first one, which will contain essentially a few ghost stories that I came across myself to see what you think, and then what science would likely base on them. And then I suppose I can give you my opinion at the end. But what I, what I really want to come from this is, I want people to send me their ghost stories for part two, or their paranormal experience even. Like, I've had one myself, and I want to keep it for the second part of this podcast. Um, now, the second part of this podcast, assuming that I get stories from yourself, um it doesn't have to be it won't be the next one or the one after that but it'll be soon enough and you'll be let know long in advance of course like i won't use your name or anything you know if you don't want me to but just i'd love you to you can message me on on uh, facebook um you know you can message my own facebook page you can message the clockwork junkie podcast facebook page or alternatively you can email me uh, clockwork junkie podcast at gmail.com in fairness, a lot of people are emailing me more so than messaging me. Um, and again, if you don't want me to say your name with the ghost story or the supernatural experience, I won't. That's 100%. And I have my own one to add to it at that stage as well. So I suppose I probably should start with um, a ghost story or two that I came across. Some of them are kind of believable. Some of them aren't. Some of them aren't really scary, but some of them are, um, depending on what you think yourself. So the first one I came across here was called The Eerie Attic. It already sounds kind of scary. 
And this was written by a girl. It's only a really, really short kind of uh, synopsis of what happened. It was written by a girl. And I'm going to read it out, if you like, as she has written it here. Um, maybe add in a comment or two along the way. So she says, It seems so cliche to start by saying, I don't believe in ghosts. But however, that's where I'm coming from. She writes, A few years ago, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia. It was my first time living on my own. The apartment block had been built in the 1930s. I'd been there a few months um, when I came home from work one day and went into the bathroom. So she said, I saw something strange. The wooden board covering the hole in the ceiling that led to the attic lay broken in two pieces on the ground. She examined both pieces. The board was about an inch thick and she said it would have taken someone like Bruce Lee to break it. She writes then, I thought the landlord might have sent someone up to work in the attic. Um, so she emailed pictures to the landlord asking had anyone been there. Kind of with the undertone that, that she was annoyed since she hadn't been warned someone was going to be in her apartment. And she got a reply on the email then and from the landlord. And the reply said, please call me as soon as you're able to. So of course, she rang, called her immediately straight away. Um, but the landlord had explained that her last two tenants had said the same thing happened to them. That the board was broken. So she promised to replace the board. And she was good to her word. She did. So a month later. This girl woke up around 4 o'clock in the morning. And she had so many goosebumps. She said it felt like someone was rubbing the inside of her leg. Now, I mean that's not always a bad thing. But in this situation it probably is. She said everything was silent. But then I heard this sound coming from above my head. It was a dragging sound. Like someone pulling a sack of potatoes. I was frozen stiff with fear. I thought someone up was up there for sure. There was no way an animal could make that sound. After five minutes, she writes, I managed to work up the courage to turn on the light and walk to the bathroom. I was armed with a cricket bat. Good girl yourself. Good weapon of choice. She says, uh, when I looked, I saw that the new board covering, in the hole, covering the hole was broken in two. She said, I felt sick. The dragging sound had stopped. The, the dragging sound had stopped. But I heard something else whispering I think it'd be at this point now I'd be gone like a scalded cat but uh, she said the sound was clear and coming from the attic it sounded like children's voices and I could hear one sentence repeated over and over and it was saying it's your turn it's your turn so she said I switched on every light in the apartment to make things feel more normal it was 5am at this, uh, this stage and it was dark outside she said I watched TV to try to unwind then a fuse blew and this is, she says then, my pet budgie Dexter, whom I kept in the kitchen, usually never made a sound at night time, but he started squawking like he was being strangled. She said, I'd never heard him make these sorts of noise before he was screaming. So she grabbed her car keys and ran out and sat in her car and waited there until the sun came up. You see, me watching all my horror films when I was younger, I'd nearly be afraid to do that as well because all you have to do is look in the rear view mirror in your car and some of you sitting in the back of your seat. Um, what happened then? So she says, when I saw people walking their dogs, this comforted me enough to go back in. <clears throat> I suppose that's fair enough. She said, the front door was open when I got there, but she thought that she hadn't closed it when she ran out. I went to the kitchen and checked on Dexter, and he wasn't in his cage. I felt sick. All the windows were closed, so I looked everywhere inside. When I walked into the bathroom, I heard splashing. Dexter was in, Dexter was half drowned in the toilet. 
I took him out, washed him and dried him. I was so confused. At 8am I called the landlord and gave her the whole story of what happened that night. The landlord said, oh you heard the whispering as well. Now, at this point, so the landlord essentially had tenants in there prior and their boards were being broke left, right and centre. And then she also had the, the previous tenants, we can only assume here, left because of, of that and the whispering more so. So then she got in this new girl and didn't tell her anything. Um, the girl writes then, so she, so she stayed in the apartment for another 18 months and then she moved. She says in that time she heard the whisperings on a few occasions and twice the board covering in the hole in the ceiling moved. And she says although she lives elsewhere now, the landlord recently called. She said that her new tenants had begged to speak with this girl about some of the stuff that's been going on in the apartment and the girl said look she replied forget it it's their problem now and i suppose i don't blame her um you know there was a lot of people involved in that there was two tenants originally then there was the girl that we're speaking about now then there was the new tenants and then there was the landlord so there's a lot of people involved in that for it to be a scam if you like and i came across another one then as well uh it's the boy with no eyes it already sounds a bit ominous and this guy writes uh one night when I was 10, I was woken up by my bedroom door opening, followed by someone sitting on my bed. He said, I felt my leg grazed and the bed sink under a person's weight. Thinking it was my mum, I opened my eyes to, to see an eyeless boy. He had black empty sockets, about my age, so what age was he? He was 10, uh, sitting at the foot of my bed. He extended his hand and in it was a little box. He writes, I was startled, but I reached out to grab the box. But the little boy with no eyes pulled back. I reached out again and said, give it. Then I blinked. I reopened my eyes. And he was gone. But the imprint of someone sitting on the bed was still present. Well, that'd be scary enough, I'm sure. So he fast forward here five years. He says, my girlfriend. He's a girlfriend now. He's 15. Good man. My girlfriend came over to do homework. I'd say that they do homework all right. Netflix and chill, I'd say they were. Um, after she finished the homework that is she took a nap while she was waiting for her parents to come and collect her okay innocent enough when they arrived I tried waking her up she opened her eyes suddenly looking up at the corner where the wall met the ceiling she pointed there on back to sleep he said I shook her and tried to wake her again and again and again and eventually she woke into full consciousness and I explained what she had done and she said up on the wall she saw a little boy with no eyes he was there in a Spider-Man pose, staring at her. So at this point, this lad told her the story about what happened to him when he was 10 years of age. So, I mean, that room's obviously, you know, if you believe in ghosts, that room is haunted. And as much as I would like it to end there, this story, it doesn't. It goes again, fast forward another five years. I'm not making this up. He said, I was with the same girlfriend. Oh, good man, they're 20 now, are they? They are, yeah. And we had a two-year-old daughter. We were living in my parents' house in the same room while they were saving for their own place. My daughter started to wake up at the same time every night and she talked. After a while, I mean, that'd be enough, I'd be gone. Uh, after a while, I noticed that she, she had almost the same conversation every night. So I playfully asked her once who she was talking to. And she said, it's a little boy. He's nice. He's lost, though. And he's looking for his mommy. The daughter's nightly conversations continued until we got her own place later that year. Now I don't know what you think of that, um, there's a lot of ghost stories and bits and bobs like that, it's kind of hard to um, 
it's kind of hard to know whether they're true or not this one here is uh i couldn't tell a ghost story without someone with the name of mary there's always a mary in a ghost story isn't there so this is um at the height of the klondike gold rush a woman named mary moved into the golden north hotel in skagway it must be alaska um with her fiance he was a, pros a prospector known as klondike ike that's a great name before their marriage ike set off to the gold fields to make his fortune but ike never returned so mary locked herself in their room and she waited her anxious anticipation of ike's arrival turned to dread and despair so the innkeepers eventually broke down the door and found mary dead in her wedding dress guests at the gold north hotel report that scary mary she's called now still roams the halls appearing over their beds in the night to check that Ike isn't sleeping with anybody else. Jesus Christ, talk about a stalker. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like that now. So this one then is a place called, you know, Alcatraz, the prison. So um, Alcatraz was the site of, of was a site of reputed hauntings long before um, hosting the famous prison. So Native American spirits reported roaming it then and now. But today, one of the most famous stories from a prisoner from cell 14D so as the story goes, the prisoner spent the night in solitary confinement, screaming that a creature was glowing, that a creature with glowing eyes was trying to kill him and pleading for help. The guards, of course, ignored him because he was in solitary confinement. But the next morning, they found the prisoner strangled to death with strange wounds that doctors would later say could not have been self-inflicted. Yeah, I suppose. Wouldn't that make you think, I suppose? Um, as I say, like... If you believe in ghosts, you're not alone. Cultures all around the world believe in that spirits survive death. They live to go to another realm. Um, you know, the idea, I suppose, that people that die in the spirits remain with us is as ancient as time itself. If you look back at the Bible, even as Jesus, then there's Shakespeare stories about Macbeth and everything else. Um, you know, people kind of, you know, and there are people always try to communicate with the dead, you find. You always seem to communicate with them. And I know that, um, you know, back in Victorian England, like, for example, it would have been fashionable for, what would you call them, maybe upper crust ladies to hold seances uh, in their parlours, having tea and crumpets, and, and, and try to talk to gods, or gods, as I try to talk to ghosts. Um, and if that's a bit wishy-washy, uh, ghost clubs that actually are dedicated to searching for ghosts, um, they're formed in prestigious universities as well. I'm talking about Oxford and Cambridge here. Um, so I mean it's not a case of one or two mad people believe in ghosts there's established um, universities believing in it there's you know the upper crust back in Victoria time <clears throat> in Victorian time looking at it there's Winston Churchill Alan Turin uh, Arthur Conan Doyle people I know as well I bet in my normal life but as I said at the start of this it's kind of you know it's it's the ghost hunting that really kind of made it widespread kind of interest around the world um ghost hunters beyond tv and then there's loads of spin-off shows and invitation shows and uh like the, the two guys that were doing that originally actually they were just normal guys they were plumbers like and they decided to go looking for ghosts um and i suppose the, the good thing about ghost hunters or the good thing about spirits or mediums or stuff like that is that you don't have to be an egghead or a scientist you, you know you don't have to be trained in any science or any investigation if you like you don't all you need is some free time maybe a dark place and i don't know a few gadgets um from an electronic store and if you look long enough in, in you know if you look long enough 
any unexplained light or noise may be evidence of a ghost. Um, what's <clears throat> what's kind of the you know if that's that side of it? What's the logic side of it? Uh, it's it's difficult. Um, I think to scientifically evaluate what is or isn't a ghost because there's a wide different variety if, of phenomenon that are ghosts. Like if a door closes on its own, that's a ghost. If you're missing keys, that's a ghost. If you see something and someone has died recently, it's a dead relative. Um, and I think it's a lot of times it's you know what mood we're in, what how we feel ourselves depends on on the, what we think we see or what we don't see. Like personal experience is is a huge one, but I mean science scientific evidence is another matter, and that that. That has to come into um. That has to come into it. So like, have has science ever proven that there's ghosts? No. Have science ever tried to prove that there's ghosts or there's plasma? Yes, of course they have. Loads of times, they've never proven anything at all. Like, it's kind of hard to. I mean, what science has done is you know they've come up with kind of, kind of what would you call it contradictory uh, terms, so. In, in ghost terms or in paranormal or in supernatural, um, I suppose in layman's terms, either a ghost can go through a wall without disturbing anything whatsoever at all, or it can slam a door. So it, it can't really do both. Like, if it's an entity that can slam a door, then it should be material and, you know, have some sort of mass. But if it can go through solid walls and not disturb anything, well, then it, sh it shouldn't be material. It can't really be both of them. To be honest, you know. And then you can ask your question: Well, if there, if a ghost is a soul of a human being, um, you know, why do they appear with clothes on them, or with soulless objects like a hat or a cane or shoes or a dress, even? And that's not even to mention the reports of ghost trains or ghost cars or horses and carriages. I mean, they're not soul in a carriage, so can't be both of them either, you know. And then, of course, you ask yourself. If ghosts or spirits are those who deaths were unavenged, if you like, a lot of people say that they didn't cross over because of such and so, or they were murdered, for example. But sure, why are there any unsolved murders at all if that's the case? Like since ghosts are said to be able to communicate with psychic mediums, there should be no, they should be able to identify their killers to police, and there should be absolutely no uh, unsolved murders whatsoever. Um. You know, and, and then again, as I said, you go to these ghost hunters and they're going around and they're trying to hunt for ghosts and, you know, they use many creative methods, um, some would say dubious methods, uh, to detect spirits, you know, that often bring a psychic with them. Um, and they always claim to be scientific, you know, they, they all, and you can see kind of the equipment they have, they have like high tech kind of scientific equipment like Geiger counters and electric magnetic field detectors, uh, infrared cameras, maybe sensitive microphones, um, <clears throat> stuff like that, you know. But none of this equipment has ever shown actual ghosts or has never detected a ghost. Like for centuries and centuries, people believe, for example, that um, if the flames of a fire went blue, that that was a sign of a ghost. But today, very few people would accept that, you know, they just know that that was just folklore. But it, it's likely that in many thousands of years, uh, the signs taken now as evidence by today's ghost hunters that'll be seen as just wrong and inadequate centuries from now so 
you know, so like, <clears throat> then you can say, well, ghosts exist, but they just haven't been proven to exist, and that we simply don't have the technology. So the, te the technology that we're using isn't good enough technology to detect them. And I mean, maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, like, if God, if if ghosts, if ghosts do exist, and if they're the soul, and you know, you'd imagine that we should be able to detect them or record them, so have some sort of hard evidence. But we don't at all. We don't have any evidence whatsoever. Only hearsay and a couple of little videos here and there that might look like a ghost. There's an app you can buy on your phone now that you can make it look like there's a ghost in your house if you want. So, you know, why why do we believe, I suppose? Like, I mean, it depends on which household you're brought up and on what kind of way you're brought up, I think. Um, like some, some households, I suppose, you know, it's, it could be a personal experience where like, they grew up where the existence be like of a friendly spirit was taken for granted in the house. Everyone knew there was a spirit there. Um, whether one you could have had an airy experience or you may never have been a believer and something might have happened to you. You might have seen a, if you like, a ghost yourself. Um, uh, and I suppose, you know, again, that's all wishy-washy. But if you're looking for evidence that ghosts might exist, you look no further than modern physics itself. And it's widely claimed that Albert Einstein suggested the scientific basis for the reality of ghosts is based on the first law of thermodynamics. And what he says by that is, first law of thermodynamics states that if energy cannot be created, and if energy cannot be destroyed, but only change form, then what happens to our body's energy when we die? So if you can't create energy and you can't destroy energy, it just changes into a different form, then what happens? To the body's energy when we die could that somehow manifest into a ghost if you like now look he would have said that uh, a couple of years ago that they've, they've, he was one of the most intelligent men around now scientists would say now of course that that's not the case that you it's not that your body is created or it, it does change form when you die if if you're if you're if you're buried or you die outside you're eaten by wild animals and if if, if you're buried you're eaten by um you decay you're eaten by you know bacteria bugs and grass takes your nutrients in so i suppose that's part of it as well um i don't know really to be honest uh you know i think ghost hunting really the ghost hunters going around it's not really about evidence i don't think and i wouldn't pass too much remarks on them shows because if it was for the search of evidence it would have been abandoned a long time ago like instead i i think you know, it's about having fun with your friends, telling a few stories, and the enjoyment of pretending that they're searching for the edge of the unknown, if you like. You know, after all, everybody loves a ghost story. Um. So I wouldn't be sure if there's such thing as ghosts, and I wouldn't be sure if there isn't. But what I would love to hear, absolutely love to hear ghost stories, or supernatural stories. Again, it doesn't have to be what happened to you. It can be somebody else. And I give you my word, I will not use your name. I'd like to get maybe you know 10 good ones and i have one myself and i'm going to keep that for the second part of this podcast if there is no second part of this podcast and um, because i don't get any feedback on it i will still give my ghost story maybe in one of the quick chats further down the line but please get on to me please get back to me on it it'll be really really interesting for me to do it and I, i'd love to hear them um and as always look here's the plea thanks for listening to the podcast don't forget to follow on the Facebook page, follow on Spotify, and if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and I will come at you very soon with episode 12. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.